welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm Jeff, one half of the show as usual. Also joining us, the other half as usual, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? Oh, I'm I'm doing fantastic. My my Mariners are struggling, but there's a lot of baseball left to play. You know, I was thinking they were going to make the playoffs this year, but I think now they're going to have to go. They have to go like seventy and forty the rest of the year to make it. Shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Well, it should no no problem at all. One thing we are as Mariner fans is we're very confident. We don't have reasons to be confident, <laughs> but we're very confident. All right. Well, let's. Uh, if you are a Mariner fan, we'll try and distract you here for a little bit. First of all, Mark, some something that is embarrassing for this podcast. Very embarrassing. Besides me? Beyond you, yes. Oh, wow. Uh, last week in Wax Packs Heroes, we pulled a Steve Sachs card. Yeah. Yes. And, and we missed something very important. Steve Sachs has been on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and we did nothing to highlight it. Nothing. <laughs> we we highlighted that a lot of people were not on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yes. I remember because I was so excited to get to say Saxy Boy that I completely skipped over it. Uh, by the way, our newest intern, Eulila, whose only job was to hit that big button in front of them. If somebody was on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, they failed as well. I saw they were making a vine which is weird because Vine shut down four years ago. So yeah, that's odd. Yeah. So we're without an intern yet again this week. Yeah, you can't let someone stick around no. after an egregious mistake such as this. No, that's that's all on them. But that's <laughs> apologies to Steve Sachs and Sabrina the Teenage Witch because we really blew it. Uh, Mark, I've been watching college softball this past week, and I found a loophole in one of our bedrock rules for Wax Packs Heroes that probably needs to be addressed. Uh-oh. We love real stirrups. They are, let's just face it, they're sexy. Real stirrups are sexy. Those sanitary socks get us going. Well, I'm seeing a lot of college softball teams wear real stirrups, which is good news. They're showing a lot of sock underneath them as well. Also good news. The problem is they're both the same color. So not that. Yeah. So if you've got like a red stirrup, which again is great, but if you put a red sock, whether it's the same shade of red or not underneath it, it turns into something bad. (laughs) I have an analogy. It's kind of like pizza, right? Everyone loves pizza, but you put pineapple on it. And only a person who doesn't like the movie Grease then likes it. You've turned something awesome into something awful. I like pineapple on the pizza. It's fantastic. Well, I know you do because you don't like the movie Grease. So you're a... I do like Grease on my pizza. Makes it tastier. Well, the the rule should be there should only be white sanitaries under your stirrups. Unless you're wearing Kelly Green stirrups, in which case it is acceptable to put gold Sanitaries. Yeah, I, I was going to point that out, but yeah. uh, you were already prepared. Oh, yeah, that is the that's the only exception to the rule. We played a, a game on social media this last week, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, you weren't. Yeah. <laughs> I know because you were working when <laughs> when we played it. But uh, we played a game of what game was it on Twitter last week? Oh, yes. Where I like to take a picture and try and deduce exactly when that game was played and if possible what inning you know what exact scenario it was so there was a book published in 1991 about base stealers and they had the foresight to put a picture of ricky on the cover of it smart move so Mm -hmm. this 
is a very bare cover. It is literally Ricky Henderson with Cal Ripken behind him and an umpire. That is it. Uh, Ricky's wearing the home whites. You can tell. I mean, I can tell it's Oakland. It's obviously a day game. Ripken's got flip down, you know, sunglasses on and it's bright and so forth. So I figured out what game it was. I threw it out there to Twitter and uh, wanted to see how long it would take for somebody to come up with the answer. Got a lot of people playing. Got a lot of answers, a lot of wrong answers, but we've got a lot of answers. One of our longtime listeners was the very first to get it. Brian Krause, who that name's probably familiar. He likes to answer a lot of our trivia questions when we do that. And he was followed by mere seconds by a mere citizen who also got it correct. <laughs> the key was Tim McClellan, the umpire, was in the back. <clears throat> Tim McClellan, he the probably most famous for the the Pine Tar game with George Brett and calling him out, but also a very large individual. Very tall guy. Like I said in the picture, it was just three people. Getting Tim McClellan right was what gave it away because only one game was Ricky Henderson ever standing in an A's uniform on second base during the day with Cal Ripken and Tim McClellan uh, umping at second base. Yeah, and folks, this is the amazing thing is he pulls this from the top of his head. I really didn't. I've got I've got to do quite oh, a bit. Oh yes, of, you do. No, you just don't want people to know. <laughs> I have to do quite a bit of digging on the on the internet. But it's <laughs> you've got over ten thousand games memorized. I thought. Oh well, yeah, but they're not all A's games. So, oh, uh, but so congratulations to uh, to Brian and to a mere citizen. I really like doing that stuff because it's a good way to take your mind off of some of the other stuff going on around in the world. Yeah, no at doubt. This point. Uh, Mark, it's time for a Lars Newt Bar update. Let's hear for Lars. Yeah, big, big week here for our boy Lars. First of all, Mark, he's back in the big leagues. Yay! Yeah, but before he got there, while in AAA last week, Lars had a heck of a game. He went three for five with three home runs against the Gwinnett Stripers. I think that's good. Yeah, he hit a solo shot a two-run job, and finally a grand slam for seven RBIs all before the end of the fourth inning. (laughs) Wow. Boy, that must have been a fun game the rest of the way. That was almost (laughs) a natural kind of, uh, you know, if he he could have slipped a three-run homer between the the two-run and the grand slam, that would have been, I don't think that's ever been done. Anything he wants to hit, he hits. Anything he wants to do, he does. Yeah. That's right. He is incredible. Memphis went on to win 10 to 4. Overall, his time in the minor league since he got sent down, he had 50 plate appearances with Memphis. He posted a 1.05 OPS. Very nice. That is pretty good. Since his return to the big leagues, however, he is 1 for 10, which is kind of on par for what he's been doing in the bigs recently. Something's going to click for him. He's Lars... Freaking newt bar. Yeah, and your cards that you've been investing yes. in, you need you need a return on those. So well what's the next my next is to acquire an autograph. So mm, okay. All right. This show is debuting on May 31st. So let's get into our debuts. A bunch of names that we know that we talk about quite often, especially in Wax Packs Heroes, debuted today, but I had to whittle it down to two, and so I have. So first of all, in 1973, Brian Downing made his big league debut in the major leagues for the Chicago White Sox. My all-time favorite leadoff hitter. (laughs) What? 
That's <laughs> no, it was sarcastic, oh, okay. sort of, okay. because he did hit leadoff. He just couldn't run. Yeah, that's what I mean. We talk about Brian Downing quite a bit because big guy nicknamed the Incredible Hulk, even though he was only 5'10", but he was just a thick dude before weightlifting ever became a thing in the big leagues. And he had power. But this is a guy that would get on base. We've talked about this quite a bit. Led the league in 1987 with walks with 106. A lifetime 370 on base percentage. That 1987, when he led the year in walks, he also had a 400 even on base percentage. Mm -hmm. One of three separate seasons where he had 400 or better on base. Just Just an oddity at that point. You would think, though, you know, okay, so if I was going to ask you, Mark, as I like to, how many stolen bases do you think this guy that could get on base and would lead <laughs> off has? What do you think? Well, so many opportunities, you know, uh, I'm going to go with a really big number, 13. 13. Well, he had more than that. <laughs> uh, actually, it, and this is an oddity into itself, in 1975, he had 13 stolen bases that year. And was only caught four times, which I guess oh, wow. is still at 75, around 75-ish percent, which is around what you want. But his career total was only 50, and he oh, got wow. thrown out 44 times. <laughs> so he's given so many opportunities, you take him. Yeah, so that one year in 75, he went 13 for and was only thrown out four. After that, it's 500 pretty much right down the list. <laughs> but he also played till he was 41 years old. And in that final season, he was a perfect one for one on the base paths. Nice. That's a good time to retire. And he's, oh, I, I stand corrected. Four years he had a on base of 400 or more. His final year in 92 for the Rangers. He's 41 years old. He played in 107 games as a DH. He had 10 home runs, 39 RBI. He walked 62 times, struck out 58, had a 407 on base, and a 138 OPS plus. <laughs> I'm wow. surprised somebody didn't like, I, he probably said, listen, I'm done. I'm I'm betting people were probably trying to sign him to, come on, just play one more year. That's a great the, year. The guy gets on base, man. He's one, one of the best eyes I've ever seen. Yeah. That's, like a Mickey Tettleton type good. That is some, those are some some great numbers. Uh, obviously, Brian Downing has not been on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but in 1985, he played himself when Louise Jefferson snuck into the Angels locker room looking for <laughs> Reggie Jackson to get an autograph in an episode of the Jeffersons. Well, that's even better. Than, I mean, I know you like Sabrina, but I mean, the Jeffersons, man. Yeah, well, I texted you, I think, like a week or so ago. I'm trying to track down this episode because apparently George is at a game and Reggie Jackson hits a home run and it comes right at George and he misses it and everyone makes fun of him. And I think his wife is trying. I think Wheezy is trying to get him to get an autograph or something to make George feel better. I really want to see that one. Yeah, we're going to have to try and track that down. The next debut we want to talk about Today in 1989, now this is one of your favorite players for sure. Deion Sanders made his debut. Prime time. Yeah, the only athlete to play in both a Super Bowl and a World Series. I found this funny. The Yankees invited Sanders to spring training in 89. They 
handed, you know, he's a rookie. They hand him number 71. Because, you know, when you're that that first time you make spring training with the big club, you take whatever you get. Well, Sanders requested a single digit number (laughs) with the Yankees. (laughs) In 89, I'm pretty sure number two was the only single digit that was available. Right. Because Jeter wasn't around yet. You know, what if what if he would have gotten that? What number would Jeter have had to take then? I don't know. But maybe like pie. Yeah. Well, the Yankees gave him number 30, uh, which was the lowest number available, which still uh, irked a lot of the veterans on the team. Uh, keeping in mind that Dion at this point had played in a grand total of 28 minor league games. And he's asking for a single digit number with the Yankees. Famously said, quote, football is my wife and baseball is my mistress, end quote. He did not appear in uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but Sanders did host Saturday Night Live in 1995. He also had a cameo as himself in the movie Celtic Pride, which is about basketball, so we don't care. And he shared the screen with none other than Ricky Henderson in a uh, video for a fan of the show MC Hammer's Too Legit to Quit. Video only 15 minutes long. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not kidding. It is 15 minutes long, and it uh, takes a good five to six minutes to get into the actual song itself. Yeah, but, I, uh, I remember some of it. I remember Jerry Glanville being in that, oddly enough. Yeah, <laughs> because that was his guy with the Falcons. <laughs> so there were, there were A's players, and there were Falcons players in that. I see. Yes, but uh, uh, also... I did not know this. Uh, Deion Sanders apparently has an alias, Leon Sandcastle. <laughs> I didn't know that either. It's similar to Larry Bernandez, I guess. This was for Under Armour, an Under Armour campaign, Leon Sandcastle. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good name. I'm not going to lie. I like the Sandcastle stuff. But uh, all right, that's going to do it for our pregame show, uh, our batting practice. I don't know why I called it pregame. This is baseball, Jeff. Come on. That's going to do it, though. Let us let the grand screw come out and do their stuff. And we are going to get into the uh, meat and potatoes of this week's show. Mark, last week I pointed out the similarities between Jeff Bagwell and Frank Thomas, who Mm -hmm. share, amongst many things, the same birthday, which was last week. Two Hall of Fame first basemen. A lot of things in common. That got me to thinking about other players that have a lot of things in common. Now, I'm not going to lie. A lot of these things I've had written down for quite some time. And I was just, you know, kind of throw them into BP every now and then when I needed some filler. But I kind of compacted them into an episode here of some just strange similarities and coincidences that exist in baseball. And the Bagwell and the Frank Thomas thing, I think, might be the one of the biggest. I mean, there's just so many things that are similar between the two of them. I started to look at other positions, and specifically Hall of Famers. First one I looked at was catchers. Two Hall of Fame catchers both share the same nickname, Pudge. Oh, yes. I guess you can probably figure out who those are. Mm-hmm. I started realizing... That uh, Pudge Rodriguez and uh, Pudge Fisk, although you never hear them referred to that way, they're just Pudge, have a lot of things in common. First of all, Yvonne Rodriguez got the nickname Pudge when he was 16 years old. He was at that point 5'7 and weighed 165 pounds. 
<laughs> yeah, your your name's Pudge. Carlton Fisk, on the other hand, was 6'3", and this cracked me up. Baseball Reference lists him at 200 pounds. Uh-huh. That's not correct. There's no. <laughs> I, I did, actually did some digging on Carlton Fisk's cards. In his 1993 tops, he's listed at 223. In his 1981, he's listed at 220. It is only in his 1974 card where he's listed at 205. So I'm guessing baseball reference is trying to be nice and they like take the player's lightest weight and that's what they they list. Yeah, that's that's funny. Unless he just came in he came into camp really light that year, you know. <laughs> when baseball reference really decided light. that they were going to use that year. Yeah. Uh regardless Fisk was 63, Rodriguez is listed at 59 and 205. Uh, Little Pudge was actually listed at 165 in his 1992 scorecard. But then every card after that, he was listed at 205. Let's see. Some other things here about uh, Yvonne and Carlton. Yvonne ended up appearing in 44 more games than Carlton Fisk, which is pretty close. That's very close. And and that is the record. Yeah, that's the record for uh, for catchers appearing in games that Carlton had and then Yvonne passed him. So uh, opportunity is about the same, you know, having appeared in that same number of games. So I looked at some of their stats. Triples as catchers, you know, this is usually the category that most people are going to look at first is triples. Of course. Uh, Carlton had 47 triples in his career. Yvonne Rodriguez had 51. Really? That is a lot of triples for these guys. Yeah. I didn't expect the numbers to be that. And then again, I always undershoot. Yeah, but I, I mean, for, for two catchers, that's a lot. Ricky Henderson has 66. Right. That's amazing. <laughs> but I mean, I think Ricky would usually pull up at second and, you know, steal third rather than get there all at once. Uh, next, stolen bases. Again, we're talking about catchers here. Carlton, 128 career stolen bases. Yvonne Rodriguez, 127. Wow. So right there. Carlton stole home three times. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Get this, though. He was also caught stealing home four times. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm wondering, were these like there was a pass ball or wild pitch and he broke from third and was thrown out? Because that's a caught stealing. That's the only, if if you get thrown out that way. Yvonne, however, did never stole home, but he was caught three times as well. I think that's got to be it. It's got to be a trying to steal on a pass ball or something. Yeah, you Uh, would think. RBI. This is incredible. Carlton had 1,330. Yvonne had 1,332. Wow. It's so weird how these are so close. Yvonne definitely hit for a higher average by 30 points in terms of lifetime average. But looking at on base and slugging, they are almost exactly the same. And in fact, their career OPS is 797 versus 798 with Yvonne (laughs) leading by a single thousandth of a point. That's amazing. It is incredible. Looking at this through the lens of stats that we like to judge players by offensively now, in this case, OPS, they are exactly the same just about, despite the difference of 30 points in the lifetime batting average, which is a great way to show how batting average just isn't a great measure of players' offensive capabilities with the bat. Uh, War... Again, right there. Fisk, lifetime war of 68.5. Rodriguez, 68.7. If you look at it 
through a defensive matrix, Fisk clearly trails Yvonne, who was clearly a much better defender. Yvonne won 13 gold gloves, and Carlton Fisk won just one. It's just weird how those two, with the same nickname, almost mirror each other when you look at their numbers over their careers. That is that is very strange, but also very, very baseball. Yeah, it is. And so this leads me to another one, two future Hall of Famers who are actually still playing. We rarely talk about guys that are still playing, except for Lars Newtbar. But here we go. Bryce Harper and Mike Trout. These two are really kind of connected in a way I did not know about. Bryce Harper debuted in the big leagues April 29th in 2012. That's the same day Mike Trout was recalled from AAA for the final time. Hasn't gone back Hmm. since. That year, in the big leagues, they both played in 139 games. They both made the All-Star game as a rookie, and they were both Rookie of the Year in their respective leagues. They both became MVP in their age 22 seasons, and they were both the two youngest unanimous MVPs ever. And in their best offensive seasons, they both shared the same OPS plus of 198 which is their best for their career. Wow. Again, really strange. That's a lot of parallels, man. It really is. But when you think of Bryce Harper and Mike Trout, who do you think is the better of those two? Well, I think Mike Trout's the best ball player there is. Yeah, I think so too. You know, you looking at the numbers, they are very similar. Some other things I found here, Hank Aaron, Mickey Mantle, and Willie Mays, they finished with virtually the same career slugging percentage. 555, 557, and 558. Wow. They're pretty good, I think. That's impressive. <laughs> That's just, man, talk about just so close to one another career-wise. Yeah. I, I'm mentioning these coincidences. We've talked a bit, uh, you know, before about Stan Musial and Ken Griffey Jr. Both share the same birthday of November 21st, both born in Denora, Pennsylvania, of all places, <laughs> which has... A population that's usually around 5,000. <laughs> but sure, why not? Uh, both left-handed hitters, both Hall of Famers. I didn't think about this before, though. Musial's nickname is The Man, and Griffey's is The Kid. Hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Hadn't thought of that. Getting into some family ties here. We have, of course, talked about Prince and Cecil Fielder. They both hit the same 319 career home runs. But... They have some other similarities here that match up. With two outs, they both hit 97 home runs. Weird. In the fourth inning, they both hit 49 home runs. (laughs) In the fifth inning, they both hit 29 home runs. And in the ninth inning, they both hit 18 home runs. Wow. That is crazy. Getting back to some Ken uh, Griffey stuff here. Father-son ties. This show, I mentioned debuting on May 31st. Well, today, in 2010, May 31st, Ken Griffey Jr. played his final game in the big leagues. Also, today, May 31st, 1991, Ken Griffey Sr. played his final game in the big leagues. Hmm. I'm wondering, did did Jr. play and then, I mean, I'm wondering if he planned that out, hang it up on the same calendar day as his father. Uh, brothers BJ and Justin Upton, mm-hmm. freshly minted Mariner, right? Yes, he's, his card's going to be valuable. Yeah. <laughs> well, they <laughs> both hit their 99th career home runs on the same day, July wow. 20th, 2012. 
Couldn't let the uh, brother up, up in one. Yeah. And so they're like, hey, that was really cool. Then they both went ahead and hit their 100th career homers on the same day as well, August 5th. Wow. I think that was the last time they hit, like, kind of landmarks on the same day. But, you know, still. Mm-hmm. Uh, knuckleballer Joe Negro. He had 1,165 career plate appearances in his 22-year career. He hit exactly one home run. That home run, May 29th, 1976, off his brother Phil. <laughs> Friendly rivalry. Yeah, I'm sure that that gets talked about quite a bit in the uh, Negro household. Uh, Catcher Mike Tresh. He played 12 years in the big leagues. He has a son, Tom, who played nine years in the big leagues. They were both catchers. Career on base percentage for both of them, 335. Wow, exactly. Exactly the same. It's so weird. So this one I knew that I had to I had to put in here. What the hell did you trade Jay Buna for? He had 30 home runs over 100 RBIs last year. He's got a rocket for an arm. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Well, <laughs> I can't listen to that without chuckling. I know that's I have a shirt that says that too, and it makes me makes me chuckle every time. Well, I went ahead and looked up what both of these players did after they were traded in the 1988 season, just for that year. For the rest of that year in '88. Buner for the Mariners, 224 average, 10 home runs, 25 RBI. Phelps for the Yankees, 224 average, 10 home runs, 22 RBI. Hmm. Exactly. I mean, Buner knocked in three more, but beyond that, they were a carbon copy of each other at the plate. Huh. You never would have thought that. Ken Phelps. Baseball, baseball. Ten Phelps, Ken Phelps. My people kept saying, Ken Phelps. <laughs> All right, let's do a little rapid fire one here. Well, not one. I got a couple here to wrap this up. A little rapid fire coincidental stuff here. Only two guys have ever hit five home runs in a doubleheader. Stan Musial, the man, and Nate Colbert. Who's Nate Colbert? Uh, yeah. As a child, though, Nate Colbert was at the doubleheader where Musial accomplished this feat. <laughs> Weird. Yes. Every team that has finished with exactly 108 wins has won the World Series. The 1970 Orioles, the 75 Reds, the 86 Mets, and the 2018 Red Sox. Also, hmm. every team that has finished with exactly 116 wins has not won the World Series. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one, man. <laughs> oh, I love to get uh, I love to get at the Mariners. Yes, you do. And you do a fine job of it, let me say. <laughs> All right. June 1st, 2015, Andrew Kashner became the first player in Major League history to do this. He struck out 10 or more batters while giving up 10 or more hits in less than five innings when he took to the mound against the Mets at Petco Park. First player to ever do that. Very next day, same two teams met again. Noah Syndergaard takes the bump for the Mets. He became the second player to do it. <laughs> That's amazing. How does that even happen? I don't, it hasn't happened again. The only two times it's happened in Major League history were back-to-back days. Weird. Speaking of that, there have been 15 unassisted triple plays in the history, the modern history of Major League Baseball. One of them happened May 30th, 1927. The next one happened on May 31st, 1927. Back-to-back days again. 
Oh my. The, again, these are just things that I have had. I'm cleaning out the closet here. This is a, a, a numbers game episode. I'm, I'm cleaning out the closet here with all these things. Just wanted to, to get rid of some of this stuff and start looking for some new stuff. Baseball is a weird, weird game. Mm-hmm. It's uh, unique is what it is. I'm sure that there are these coincidences in other sports. I just don't think there's as many. Because one, I, there's just so many more people have played baseball professionally than, than of any other sport. And there's so many more stats that are kept for baseball. And it's been played for a lot longer than any yeah. other sport. But it's just, it's another reason to just love the game. I, I love I, I love these coincidences. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, it's like there's that kind of stuff. You can find it almost on a daily basis in baseball. Something weird that happens, a weird coincidence, uh, somebody doing something completely amazing that's never been done before, etc. And it's uh, you did a great job finding those. It's it's not unheard of in baseball to have really weird stuff like that happen. Yeah, and you know what's what's great is, and we are not. Yeah, you know we're not sponsored. We should be by uh, by Stathead. Such a great service. It's five bucks a month. You can plug in some of the craziest things and find individual games, uh, individual things like this. I am not going to tell you the answers to this, but earlier today I went and figured out who was the tallest player to ever steal a base in Major hmm. League history, as well as who was the heaviest to ever steal a base in Major League history. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it takes a lot of work if you don't have something like that to where you right. can find these things really quickly. It also helps a lot when you're doing guess the game. Yes. Because that cut sure. down the number of, of box scores I had to look at for that book cover to like 10 games versus, you know, the number of games Ricky played against the Orioles in Oakland. I'm just saying, Stathead, we are open to a sponsorship. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, All right, that's going to wrap up the main part of the show, and it is now time to get into everybody's favorite segment. It is time for Wax Pack's Heroes. Wax Pack Hero! Gotta pull the Wax Pack Hero! All right, Mark, I am off to a awful start, which... Generally happens when we do Wax Packs Heroes. Uh, you're already up three to nothing, but we have a second week in a row, and next week we're going to have a third week in a row of listener curated packs for us, which is uh, very exciting. This week, Mark, who are uh, what listener are we uh, are we going to be opening packs from? We had a we had a gentleman uh, who his uh, name is on Twitter, I believe, is Upper Deck 1990. U U Deck 1990. Yeah, he. Uh, was nice enough to send us a couple of packs of Upper Deck 1990. I w- that's funny how that works. It would have been really strange if he wouldn't have sent us like 2001 tops. So <laughs> I still would have been grateful. It just would have been different. <laughs> no, he's a he's a great uh, a great follow on Twitter. He likes to pick out individual cards from the aforementioned 1990 uh, Upper Deck pack, which is obviously a great looking pack, and uh, likes to tell little uh, stories and facts about them so uh, it's great you get to see the front and the back the back is always usually just as good as the front with those upper deck cards and yes uh, tell some stories and uh 
spits uh, spits facts about the players. So thank you very much for sending these packs, and let's uh, use them to figure out who is going to win this week, although we probably already know the answer. Uh, if you are listening for the first time, we're going to open up two packs of baseball cards here. We're going to take the baseball reference war from the year the cards are from, and we will add them up. It is a 1v1 duel here. There are a couple of rules that can add or subtract points, though. Uh, First of all, anything on the player's face, whether it be sunglasses, reading glasses, uh, funny nose and mustache glasses, eye black, whatever, extra tenth of a point. If they're wearing real stirrups, you get an extra tenth of a point. But if they are the two-in-ones, we're going to take away a tenth of a point. Sweatbands with your caricature or jersey number, you get an extra tenth of a point. If you won an award like Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, All-Star, Gold Glove, etc., you get a whole half a point award for each of those. If you are in the Hall of Fame, we salute you. You get a whole entire point of war for that. If you're wearing two flaps or no flaps on a batting helmet, extra tenth of a point. That's old school. You're batting without gloves. Same thing. Extra tenth of a point. If you played any of your final three seasons in Seattle, you get an extra tenth of a point for having spent that time in some very lean baseball years, no doubt. If a Ricky Henderson or a Nolan Ryan is polled, if it's Ricky, I'm going to get a plus five no matter who pulls it. If it's Nolan, Mark gets a plus five. And we're each going to pick a team, and uh, any players from that team will get us a half a point as well. Mark, which team are you going to go with this week? Um, that's a good question. I'm going to go with the Metropolitans. All right, the New York Mets. I am going to go with, you know, I've ragged on them a lot today. I'm going to go with the Mariners. That's going to be odd for me. Yeah. You're going to be rooting for me. All right, so Mark, you've got the packs here. Uh, I'm going to let you choose whether you want the uh, the left or the right one. I'm going with the right one. All right. Well, I'm going to go last so that I can lose as we sign off as usual. So why don't you go ahead and rip that first pack open from user udeck1990 on Twitter, and uh, right. let's see what we got. Now, I want to tell you here, there's a chance that we can win something. Um, we can win Not season me. tickets. We can win season tickets to 1991, any stadium or choice. Oh, that'll be fun. Well, 91, eh, A's were, were still good, but. Well, you know, I just, I'm excited about the time travel. Yes. <laughs> Think of all the old stadiums we can visit. Very oh, nice. man. Polo grounds, go to donuts out there. In the I, don't think, I don't think anybody was actively a, a, a resident of the polo grounds in 1991. Oh no! I want I want to go back further for that one. But I yeah, ninety one. Yeah, I think we're limited we to tickets, when the season tickets were. So. All right. Okay. Well, let's open this up. There it is. And pulling out the cards. There's a few. Yes. All right. <laughs> we're gonna have to go quickly here. All right. So we got your first. Your first player is uh, from Milwaukee Brewers, Dale Swaim. S V E U M. Former batting coach with the Oakland Athletics. I think he managed the Cubs too at one point. Uh, nickname Bo, we've had him before. He's a, I always like Dale Swaim. 12 years in the big leagues, played for a lot of teams. Spent the most amount of time with Milwaukee. Came up with them in 86. In 1990, he was with Milwaukee. Looks like he was probably hurt for most of the year. Only appeared in 48 games. Only hit 197. Uh, let's see, a single home run, 12 RBI, a 58 OPS plus. And you are going to start out with a minus, a robust Minus one, not point one, but minus one. Thanks, uh, Dale. Is there anything on that card that's going to help you out? You, you know, are we going to use the front and back? Because upper deck's got pictures on both. Yeah, that's true. But we're gonna let's just stick with the with the front. 
Well, either way, he's still got a mustache. Yep. Okay. So that'll be a, at least a plus point one for you there. And that's all that we got. A cousin of John Olerud. Oh, weird. I did not know that. Yeah. Dale Swaim also sporting a big tattoo on his, uh, his forearms these days. Did not have those when he was playing, but I remember, I think he was the first coach I remember seeing with some ink. All right, so uh, I like the start for you. It's absurd. Next card is uh, a guy that we lovingly know as Albert, but in this card, he's <laughs> Joey. Joey. Joey Bell. All right, well, yeah, Mr. Uh, Mr. Personality, Joey Bell. Let's see. Yeah, 12 years in the big leagues. Came up with Cleveland in 1989. This is going to help me out because in 1990, he only appeared in nine games in the big leagues. Uh, One home run, three RBI, 174 average, which I think is right around where Swain was hitting for your first card. (laughs) And a 43 OPS plus. And that will equal a minus point one war. (sighs) So that that takes away the mustache of Dale Swain. (laughs) <laughs> we, we do have a, a Joey Bell mustache. Okay, so uh, we will then go ahead and add that back to you. Uh, Albert Bell, of course, had a 12-year career in the big leagues. He had a lot of home runs, 381. Only led the league once in home runs, but he did lead the league in RBI three different times, including 148 in 1996. Well, the guy could hit a ton. Yeah, he could. Uh, he, his, his lifetime average is actually 295. Wow. Uh, lifetime on base of 369 and a 564 slugging. Lifetime uh, OPS plus of 144, and his war for his lifetime is 40.1. But uh, some rough going in those early years for Joey. Yeah. You know, I'm, we're not going to, he was not on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and we won't go into the rest of it. But uh, no, uh, nothing additional other than the mustache there. That's right. All right, next. Next. We have from the Texas Rangers, Fred Manrique. And interestingly enough, in this card, Manrique is standing, holding the ball, and sliding into the base is Fred McGriff. So you got Fred with Fred. As a player, let's see, nine years in the big leagues, he made his way around. He played for a lot of teams. Most of uh, his longest tenure team was three years with the White Sox from uh, 87 through 89. In 1990, he spent the year with the Minnesota Twins, 69 games. You're not getting a lot of ABs here so far. 237 average, five home runs, 29 RBI, a 63 OPS plus, and that equals a minus .2 war. I think I picked your pack, man. Yeah, now Fred Manrique, though, uh, at least here on Baseball Reference, has got some glasses and a mustache. What's he looking like there? He has glasses, a mustache, and real stirrups. All right, so that'll be a a plus .3 for you there. So you're at minus .83, and I like it. So far, so good. And now from the Padres, Sean Lil Abner. Let's see. Sean Abner is uh, one of those guys on our do not talk about list, but we'll go through it here quickly. For we can, we can say he was the first overall pick in 84. All right, well, six years in the big leagues, five of it were with the Padres. In 1990, 91 games. He did n- never appeared in more than 100 games in a season. Hit 245, one home run, 15 RBI, and a 64 OPS plus. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, I really think this might have been destined to be my pack, and I'm just, uh, I got lucky this time. That is good for a war of minus 1.1. Oh, man. <laughs> He's made Dale Swain look like an all-star. 
He is my all-star. Jeez. Yeah, as you mentioned, first-round pick of the Mets in 84. He was also involved in one of those big trades between the Mets and the Padres where he was traded along with Kevin Brown, Stan Jefferson, Kevin Mitchell to the Padres for Kevin McReynolds was the big name there. Anything on that card going to help you out? Nah, he's a clean-shaven kind of guy. Wait, no, he's only got the one flap. Batting gloves don't say anything special. No, no, Sean Abner's nothing special. All right, well, uh, he's probably still pretty clean-shaven being in prison and all. Well, you know what? He once said to my, I, this is a true story. When he was in the minors, uh, my brother and I were getting some autographs and he handed Sean Abner a, a few uh, cards and Sean <laughs> questioned him, why would you have my cards? <laughs> he told him buying his cards was effed up. Well, he's an effed up individual. I'm not going to talk about this clown, but I will say this. Uh, his son is a professional Call of Duty player. Oh, Wow. Um, now I got a shot here because if I remember, Mike Hanneman was a pretty decent pitcher. Detroit Tigers. I think he was a closer, wasn't he? In the big leagues for 10 years. Uh, yep, definitely a closer for a good portion of that. He's got 193 saves overall, a 57-42 mark, 3.21 ERA. That's pretty good. 1990, he was with the Tigers. 22 saves, but an 8-6 and six mark. That's a lot of decisions. For somebody that finished 53 games. Well, in the previous year, 89, he had 11 wins and four losses. Yeah, and I don't think he was their closer at that point because he only had eight saves. Right, he was out of the bullpen, though. Yeah, so a lot of wins and losses. 3.05 ERA in 90, 94 innings pitched, 90 hits. Uh, let's see, 50 strikeouts and a 131 ERA plus. All of that equals a war of, hey, you're in the positive. And <laughs> a positive 1.9, which will take you to exactly zero. <laughs> uh, Mike Hanneman, the stopper, the stopper for my team. Did uh, anything on that card going to help you out? Uh, clean shaven guy. Can't tell on the stirrups, unfortunately. So nothing, nothing that, that's going to help out there. All right. Looks like he's right. been uh, kicking around as a coach in the minor leagues since his retirement. All right. Your next guy is Chris Carpenter, the country singer. Now, this gets me because I feel like the Cardinals have had a Chris Carpenter on their roster for the last 50 years. No, at least since the 40s. I know. I know. Right. <laughs> uh, let's see. First round draft pick by the Blue Jays in 93. He came up with Toronto. Spent the first six years of his career there, and then the final nine with St. Louis. Won two World Series, won a Cy Young, ERA title. And I think uh, I think he pretty good career. I'm going to say that. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. In 2000 in Toronto, he went 10 and 12 with a 6.26 ERA. Sure, led the league you. in earned runs surrendered with 122 <laughs> and an ERA plus of 81. This is this really should have had my name on it because this really feels like my kind of pack. Uh, overall, that is a war of only minus point one. I got lucky. Yeah. Anything on that card going to help you out? Can't see stirrups, no facial hair, nope. Wow, look at these World Series numbers. He appeared in four games. He went 3-0 and with a 2.0 ERA, 27 innings pitched, 20 hits, 19 strikeouts, and a whip as a starter of .926 in the World wow. Series. Wow, That He has got some just outrageous playoff numbers. That's, no uh, that's pretty impressive. I think the... the isn't don't didn't they have another Chris Carpenter 
who was an infielder. I think the Yankees just signed him out of retirement. Yeah, I believe there was a position player. I can't remember what position. Yeah. Chris Carpenter, though. I I think they are without a Chris Carpenter right now. They are with the Lars Newt bar, but I think they're without a Chris Carpenter, which is... They should probably get out there and get one. Yeah, they need to remedy that ASAP. All right, you're at uh, you're back in the minus, point nine, or point one. All right. Next up, at this time, he was a Los Angeles Dodger outfielder, Mike Davis. I think he was on deck when Kurt Gibson hit the walk-off in the 88 World Series, wasn't he? You know, I, I, he might have walked. Been, uh, or, yeah, yeah. He's he was, the guy ahead of him. Yeah, he was somewhere. He was somewhere close to the action. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah. Uh, actually, no, Mike Davis' only World Series was 88. Yeah, yeah. He retired uh, after the 89 season. So he actually didn't play in 1990. Retired as a Dodger. (laughs) Ten years in the big leagues. Eight of it with Oakland. And then his final two with the Dodgers. Overall, a 259 lifetime average. A 104 OPS plus. And a war of 14.5. That's not bad. Not bad. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no no A's World Series there. Mm, Okay. Well, I do have uh, some points here, though. I, he wore glasses yes, and did. had a great mustache. Yeah, he is. He's one of those guys with those science teacher glasses. Those things That's take right. up three quarters of his face. <laughs> right. So I got a little points out. of All right. Him. So you'll get a, a plus point two, which will bring you back into the positive at uh, point one. Well, I guarantee a positive out of this guy. Positive point two because it's Mike Davis again. Same card. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Well, that's an easy one to get through. We don't need to go through his numbers again. Next. All right. Uh, Candy Maldonado, San Francisco Giants. The Candy Man. Or as I like to call him back then when I didn't know how to pronounce his name, Candy Maldonado. (laughs) Let's see. Candy Maldonado. He was, uh, I think he was on that. Yeah, he was on the Giants in 89 against the A's in the World Series. Uh, also a member of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays when they won the World Series in 92. But we're looking at 1990 where he was a member of the Cleveland Guardians. 155 games. Appeared in a lot of games that year. Hit 273, 22 home runs, 95 RBI. That's a good year right here. 330 on base and a 117 OPS plus. Got caught stealing five times and stole three. That's not a good number there, Candy. All of this equals a war of 3.4. There you go. Right off the bat. Anything else on that card going to help out? Clean shaving guy. Um, no, nothing. Nothing else there? Nope. So you are at 4.1. 4.1 with six cards to go still. Oh. This is the extended version. Yes, very extended. All right. Next guy, all I can say is what? Me worry? Alfred E. Newman, Minnesota Twins, Al Newman. I know I got to type baseball in the go- the old Google search after That's that right. one. <laughs> Let's see. Al Newman, we've had him before. Eight years in the big leagues. Most of it was with the Twins. Five, in fact, with the Twins. 1990, man, he was a regular utility guy. 144 games, 242 average. No home runs. He only hit one home run his entire career. Raphael Belliard has more home runs than Al Newman. <laughs> 30, wow. 30 RBI. He did steal 13 bases. Uh, got caught st- six times, though. And a 61 OPS plus. That equals a war of positive 1.5. Way to go, Al. Uh, anything on that card going to help you out? Nothing to help me out, but I'm going to get a minus 0.1 for the stirrups. Al, come on. Man. Terrible. Where's, where's some real stirrups? 
Upon first seeing Kirby Puckett taking BP, once joining the Twins, he was quoted as saying he's the eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> I thought that was under the giant. Yeah. Well, may I, yeah. <laughs> this is great. So in 1990, the season we're talking about, Kirby Puckett played several different positions uh, beyond the normal center field. He played right, third, short, and second base in one game. Uh, after the game, Newman was jokingly quoted as saying, I'm glad Puck's one of us utility guys now. Maybe he'll raise the salary structure a little. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're at 5.5. 5. 5.5. Stepping up to the mound, Cincinnati Red, Jack Armstrong. All right. Jack Armstrong, pitcher. Seven years in the big leagues, four of it with Cincinnati. Good news for you. He was an all-star one year, and it was in 1990 with the Reds. He went 12-9. and nine. With a 3.42 ERA. And uh, I think he probably won the World Series that year. Uh, 117 ERA plus, And all of that is going to equal a war of 2.6. Plus he's an all-star. So that's a 3.1 right there. If the, unless there's anything else on that. We got real stirrups. Real stirrups. So that'll be another positive 0.1 for Mr. Armstrong. There we go. His son, Jack Armstrong Jr., turned down a million-dollar signing bonus by the Rangers out of high school. Uh, he went on to play college ball at Vandy, good baseball program. He was then later drafted by Houston and signed for only 750000 then had his career derailed by injuries. So, oops. Yeah, oops. Mm. All right, so you are at 8.7 now. That's right. And moving on to Angels pitcher Willie Fraser. We have definitely had uh, Willie before. He gives me the willies. Willie, eight years in the big leagues, most of it with California. 1990 was his final year with the California Angels. He went five and four with a 3.08 ERA. Not bad in 45 games. Uh, let's see, 76 innings pitched, 69 hits, and a ERA plus of 124. And that will equal a war of 1.4 in the positive. Very nice. I wasn't expecting that out of Mr. Frazier. No. Uh, Willie Frazier, let's see. Uh, in the offseason in the 80s, Willie worked as a substitute teacher in Wallkill, New York. Nice. Back in the days when guys had to have jobs in the in the offseason. All right, you're at 10.1. All right. Uh, next is uh, Willie Frazier again. Oh, boy. These, uh, these uh, upper decks certainly have a problem with... <laughs> But but think about think about how lucky you would be to get this pack. Two Mike Davises and two Willie Frasers. Yeah, man. Who wants Griffey? Retiring. Yeah. All right. So you get another positive one point four. You're at eleven point five. All right. Next up, Jack Doherty, Texas Rangers. Jack Doherty. Let's see. Six years in the big leagues. Uh, Texas. He was there for four of them. He came up with Montreal in 1990 with Texas. He. Career high, played in a career high number of games with 125. He hit 300, 347 wow. on base and a 435 slugging. He had six home runs, 47 RBI, 118 OPS plus, And that is going to get you a 1.4, the same as Willie Frazier. How about that? That's three <laughs> 1.4s in a row. <laughs> that is. Talk about coincidence and numbers. What was Doherty's lifetime batting average out of curiosity? Was a 256. No, he had a couple three hundred years. So yeah, he also had he also had a one ninety four, a two twenty six, and a two twenty 
mm. dropped in there as well, which will in his uh, in his debut year with the Expos in 1987, he had one hit the entire year. That off of Greg Maddox. Because <laughs> okay. why wouldn't he? Okay, that makes no sense at all. <laughs> all right, you're at 12.9. Final card. All right. San Diego Padres, Gerald Clark. That's Gerald with a J. All right, Gerald Clark. Only seven years in the big leagues. A lot of these guys didn't play that long in this pack. It's a strange yeah. pack. Uh, let's see, seven years in the big leagues, five with the Padres, who he came up with. 1990, he's played 53 games with San Diego, hit 267, five home runs, 11 RBI, a 109 OPS plus, and that equals a war of a positive 0.1, barring anything else on that card. There's nothing else on this card to help me. He's a he's a handsome guy, very clean shaven, you know, one of those guys, the opposite of me. All right, so this is uh, this is interesting. Gerald Clark in 1992 stole home base against wow. the Los Angeles Dodgers. How did he do it, you ask? How did he do it? Well, uh, Dodgers catcher Mike Sosha and manager Tommy Lasorda went to the mound for a meeting. Oh. One thing, they forgot to call timeout. Oh so uh, Clark just waltzed down to home plate and uh, was uh, called safe. That's funny. That is good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So altogether, your pack of 1990 Upper Deck cards as gifted to us by Udeck1990 Twitter user. You've got 13 even. 13. That's beatable, Jeff. Especially because each of these packs has somewhat 37 cards in it. Well, they do, but they should put on the front there that uh, many of them will be duplicates of the card <laughs> before it. So, <laughs> no, these are a good-looking card, though. I gotta say, I've always liked upper oh, deck. Yeah. These '90s are very clean. I love the pictures on the back. Just Those good, first good couple card. of years of upper deck are just—they are. Yeah. Oh, they're just yeah. I'm gonna. They were to, they were just hands and above everything else that was out there. Gonna have to go take you know, a cold shower. That they're so good. Yes, that's right. All right, I got another pack, Jeff. All right, let's go. We did not have any Mets or Mariners in that pack either. No Mets or Mariners. Here we go. Opening. Yep. Well, what's the start? They're upside down. Here we go. Oh, you got a. Uh, this is funny because they got a pitcher, but he's hitting. Nice. From the Dodgers, Mr. Fernando Valenzuela. I think we get extra points if we've done an episode on those, specifically <laughs> if, you know, you were the person that did the episode, the, the research on it. But no, yeah, let, me, let me think about it. No. OK. All right. El Toro in 1990. He was still only 29 years old. I just wow. tend to think of him as being like in his 40s at all time, uh, even though he only played to age 36. Uh, 1990, he went 13 and 13 with a 4.59 ERA. He had two shutouts in five complete games that year. Wow. Gave up the league leading 104 earned runs that year, pitched in a, a 204 innings and had an 80 ERA plus. And that is going to equal for me a minus 0.1 right out of the gate. Uh, good start, good start. Sounds uh sounds about uh about right for me. We're not even going to look at Fernando's stuff because if you want to have a good time and you haven't done, or even if you have, do it again. Go listen to our Fernando Valenzuela episode. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely true. All right. Next All card. Right, your next card is a checklist. <laughs> nice. And there's no pictures or anything. Nah, we're so. going to have to go through every single one of them. This is yeah, let's add them up. Here we go. Starting with Keith Moreland. No, okay. That one's out. <laughs> All right. But your next one's a real player, and he's with the Red Sox at this point. His name is Lee Smith. 
Well, our he first is Hall a of Famer. Very consistent closer. So I have a feeling you're going to clean up here. Our first Hall of Famer. I like that. Yeah. That'll help me out. So 1990, he split between the Red Sox and the Cardinals. 18 years in the big leagues. He played for a lot of teams, but as you mentioned, yeah, a lot of saves. 478 overall in his career. 1990 went 5 and 5 overall at 2.06 ERA and 31 saves. Mm-hmm. Pitched in 83 innings, struck out 87 batters. I like this. Yeah. A 188 ERA plus Ooh. and all of this is going to equal a positive 2.2 plus Very he's nice. a Hall of Famer so that's 3.2 right off the bat. Uh is he got a mustache in that picture? He sure does. Uh what about anything else that's going to help or hurt me? No, nah, just a close up. Very nice. So yeah, Hall of Famer, seven-time All-Star, won the Rollades Relief Man of the Year award three separate times. Uh went in in 2019 just a couple years ago as a closer and wow. I mean, just he was he was a, a dominant guy. I think he was one of the guys that uh, held the career saves record at one point, like eight guys did in sure, right. like a season and a half. Each other. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, Lee Smith, I like that. That will take me up to three point two. All right. Next on the list is one of my favorite outfielders. He did not make my uh, my top three list, <clears throat> top whatever list we did when we did second, second best. best. Um, but he was certainly under consideration, Mr. Kevin Smallmouth Bass. I'm gonna get a feeling he's gonna have a mustache. He's got a mustache. What's weird? I mean, he's got that perfect mustache that you, you're used to. But what's weird is on the back, he's clean shaven. He doesn't even look like Kevin Bass. <laughs> well, on the, I'm, I'm more interested in the front mustache. Are we bordering on a two tenths mustache? Boy, you know, I can't. <sighs> yeah, I think so. It's good thick. It's a. Uh, uh, Definitely a standout yeah, mustache. He's, yeah. Unless he's just shaving it, he has got one of those good two tenths of a point mustaches. Always, yeah. Let's see. Kevin Bass, fourteen years in the big leagues, ten of it with Houston. And let's see. In nineteen ninety, he left the Astros. He came up yes. with the Brewers first of all in eighty in eighty two and was traded to Houston that year. But in nineteen ninety, he went over to the San Francisco Giants. Appeared in sixty one games, only hit two fifty two, seven home runs, thirty two RBI, a ninety six OPS plus. Uh, how many how many stolen bases do you think Kevin Bass had in his career? Kevin yeah, Bass career, um, one hundred eighty five. Yeah, pretty close. One hundred fifty one. Oh, okay. Yeah, got caught seventy three times. So not the greatest percentage, but that's good deal of stolen bases he wasn't quick but he was fast yeah well unfortunately kevin bass in 1990 has a war of minus 0.4 so i no longer consider him in my top 10 i'm glad he's got that good looking mustache because that that halved the the loss there yeah uh we've mentioned before also uh cousin of uh, james lofton the football player that's right all right i am at three even all right next Pittsburgh Pirate Miguel Garcia. He's a pitcher. I am not familiar with Miguel Garcia at all. I have to admit I'm not either. Three years in the big leagues. He came up with the Angels in 1987, and he finished with the Bucks in 1989. So of no help to me, he ended up with a 0-2 mark with an 8.41 ERA. Uh, he was a lefty, which, you know, explains how he stuck around with these numbers, at least for three years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 4.5 was his best year where, uh, well, now he had a 
Yeah, 4.5. He appeared in one game in 88 and had a 4.5 ERA. That's his best. But yeah, not uh, not much going on there for me. I'm going to... Does he have a mustache? No, he's uh, he looks like he's 12. Yeah. All right. So that doesn't help me out at all. I'll stay at three. All right. There goes that one. All right. Kansas City Royals outfielder Matt Winters. Speaking of other players I'm not familiar with off the top of my head. <laughs> Matt Winters. Well, this isn't going to help me either. He appeared one year in the big leagues, and that one year was 1989. <laughs> he spent it with the Royals, appeared in 42 games, hit 234. He had two home runs, nine RBI, and ended up with an 88 OPS plus. And uh, it doesn't matter because that was in 1989. He was a first round draft pick in the 78 draft by the Yankees. Mm. And at one point was traded for Ron Hassey. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but uh, nothing is going to, is anything on the card going to help me out? You got eye black and you've got real stirrups. See, there you go, Matt, looking out for me. He does something for you. Yeah, he also apparently, oh, you're going to like this. He spent four seasons in Japan playing for your Nippon Ham Fighters. Yes, Nippon Ham all the way, baby. And look at this. I mean, he had a good time in Japan. 30-plus home runs over each of his four seasons, second most home runs in the league for three consecutive years behind Arrestes Destrada. He wow. frequently participated in between-inning dance performances and uh, performed magic tricks whenever a game was stopped due to rain. That's amazing. One of the most popular players in the league while there. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> Good for that's a, Matt Winters, you have now made our preferred list. Absolutely, Matt Winters. Hey, you know what? You may have only had the one year, but you made a lot of it, and you went to Japan and entertained them all, baby. <laughs> all right, so I'm at 3.2. All right, next up is, let's see, he's a St. Louis Cardinal at this point. His name is Tom Brunanski. He may help you out here. Bruno, I liked Tom Brunanski. Hey, man, he had some pop. He, uh, he had a decent eye. He was an all-around good ball player. Brother-in-law of Dave Engel. Really? Who played for the Twins right around the same time in the in the 80s. For Bruno, 14 years in the big leagues. Minnesota for seven of them. Four with Boston. Won the World Series in 87 with the Twins. In 1990, he split time between St. Louis and Boston. Overall, he hit 255 with 16 homers, 73 RBI, five stolen bases, 10 caught stealing. <laughs> Ooh, Someone needs to put an anchor on stop him. Stop running. Tie him to the bag. Uh, still had a 108 OPS plus, and all of that together is going to equal a positive 1.4. Very nice. Anything on that card going to help me out? You get some eye black. All right, I'll take it. I, I like when they're photographed during day games. So what was this? What was the score there? Positive 1.4. All right, so you got through Brunanski. We like this. I don't think we mentioned this. I, I mean, we did a whole episode on, on this at one point, but one of only 40 major league players to have hit a inside the park Grand Slam home run. Oh, nice. With... <laughs> you never see those back to back, do you? No. You... <laughs> it's weird how you don't. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I'm at 4.7. You had a 13 even. So I feel yes. like I'm, I'm trailing here. All right, so your next player is outfielder for the St. Louis Cardinals, Tom Brunanski. Wow. Uh, okay, let's, uh, I already w left his page here, so I got to find, what did I say, 1.4? 
Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. One, and then he had the eye black. All right. So that'll be another 1.5 for the uh, for the war in the eye black. That'll take me to 6.2. And I'm waiting for my next Tom Brunansky card. All right. No, we we're moving on to one of my favorite nicknames of all time. Mr. Mark Carrion of the New York Mets. Mark, carry on my wayward son. I almost typed in my wayward son as I was <laughs> typing that in the, the search there. Mark, carry on. Let's see. Ten years in the big leagues. Half of it was spent with the Mets. In 1990, he was a utility outfielder. He appeared in 68 games. He hit 308, had six home runs, 16 RBI, and let's see, a 489 slugging and a 150 OPS+. plus. That will get me a positive 1.1. Very nice. Now, I I want to use his baseball reference picture because he has got eye black, uh, a beard, and flip-down sunglasses. Mm, no, you can't use that I one. You got to use that. this one, pal. Okay, what? You uh, got a mustache, good for you. All right. And fake strokes. All right, so that'll be a plus zero is what you're doing. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see, Mark Carrion also went and played in Japan. Uh, for the Chiba Lote Marines for two years in 97, 98. Hmm. He played okay. He was no <laughs> Mark Winters, but right. he, he played okay. <laughs> Mike Winters, wasn't it, yes. Mark? This is Mark Carrion. I'm going to find some video of that guy in Japan because that just sounds entertaining. I think, and I think we need to collect his cards too. We might, we might need his card. Yeah, yeah, his card. Now, Mark Carrion was named in the Mitchell Report. Ooh, that okay. is not a name I would have expected. I mean, no, I wouldn't have put that in there either. Yeah. All right. I'm at 7.3. All right. Next is actually one of my favorite cards of all time. It's uh, it's a great picture, and it's got two of my favorite players in it. You got Billy Doran, second baseman for the Astros. We heard about him in the second best episode. He is fully airborne and six inches above a sliding Tony Gwynn. Oh, tell me this is a Tony Gwynn card. No, it's Billy Doran. Ah. Well, you know what? <laughs> Now, here in the official rules, and I'm not even lying, it says Hall of Fame, quote, even if not the focus. <laughs> Come on. Seriously? It does say that on the <laughs> I 100% did not type. That is there. But we will, we will. Well, I, rules are used, rules, man. There used to be a time where we would do the, 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 the war, war of on, everyone yeah. in the picture. But yeah, yeah well, we've got. This pack is huge, so we're just going to yes. keep going. Bill Doran, not a Hall of Famer, unfortunately, for me. Well, one uh, of my favorites. Yeah, that's good. Uh, 12 years in the big leagues, a lot of it with Houston. Nine with Houston. Came up with the Astros. In 1990, he was traded from your beloved Astros to the Cincinnati Reds. Yes. Had a good year. Overall, he hit 300, seven home runs, 37 RBI, 23 stolen bases, and a 411 on base, a 135 OPS plus, and all of that is going to equal a positive 3.4. See, Billy Doran's awesome. Yeah, I'll I'll take that. Anything else on that card gonna gonna help me out? Let me see. He does have flip up sunglasses. Yes. Uh, now, does he have flip up or flip down? Flip down. Okay, because that's worth two points if they're flip down. If they flip up, they're only a tenth of a point. And, of course, and I knew this about Doran, I hated it, was the fake strokes. Gosh darn it. 
Don't get my hopes. You got to tell me that together because I punch it right into the Wax Packs Heroes uh, tabulation mm-hmm. machine. I here. like to slow roll it. I like to slow roll. Well, it uses a lot of paper. You know, we've got one of those <laughs> dot matrix printers with the with the holes in the side, and it immediately prints everything out. And so you're is it that green and white paper? <laughs> It's got word marks all over it, and it comes out of a box. It's fed up to the back. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, we need to cut costs here. All right, I'll work on it. Uh, His sister, Denise, was a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. Let's hear it for Denise. Yeah, and he named his son Ryan after a former teammate. You never guess who. Don't know. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Ryan O'Neal. You know, that's an actor, I believe, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. No. All right. All right. So I'm at 10.1. How many cards do I have left here? Uh, five. five. But, uh, this is why we've cut down the, <laughs> the length of Wax Packs Heroes. Yes. All right. I feel, I'm feeling comfortable with five cards left. All right. Hit me. All right. You got a third baseman from the Texas Rangers, Steve Bouchel. I believe the 1988 Tops podcast just did an episode on Steve Bouchel. Oh, nice. Because I've listened to it recently. I don't know how recently it came out. But, uh, yeah, he is uh, from Lancaster, California here. And, yeah, yeah, oh, I know this because he he went to Stanford. And I remember listening to that podcast. And if you don't, please do. It's a great podcast. He was uh, on the baseball team with John Elway. Oh, wow. Remember that now. Let's see. uh, 11 years in the big leagues. We haven't had a single player finish up their career in Seattle yet in this episode. That's odd. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. uh, 11 years in the big leagues. Eight with Texas. In 1990, it looks like he was hurt a little bit. Only appeared in 91 games. Hit 215. Seven home runs. 30 RBI. 77 OPS plus. And that is still a positive war of .6. Anything on that card going to help out? Uh, nothing at all, sir. Nothing is going to help me out there. All right, so I'm at 10.7 with four left to go now. All right, you got a Braves pitcher from 1990. You know it's going to be solid. Not Zane, but Pete Smith. Got it, your hopes up. It's, well, it's one of the two. It's got to be Pete Smith. All right, let's see. Pete Smith, uh, 11 years in the big leagues, seven of it with Atlanta. In 1990, you know, not that bad. Five and six with a 4.79 ERA. He had three complete games, 77 innings pitched, 77 hits, 56 walks, and 84 ERA plus. All of that is going to equal a positive 0.4. We'll make it a 0.3 for the fake stirrups. Oh, come on. I'm like I'm just I'm I'm just clawing my way towards you in just small increments, and then you hit me with these things. Yes. And what uh, is the current score, man? Uh, I'm at 10.8. Oh. And you are at 13 even. Well, this is going to come down to the wire, my friend. All right. Well, uh, what, do you, what have I got here? You got a Hall of Famer next. I like it. Another Braves pitcher. This one is John Smoltz. I just want everybody to know that we are opening Upper Decks, again, provided by, uh, by <laughs> user at UDeck1990 on Twitter. Uh, Mark uh, just told me that it's a Diamond King, which... <laughs> It's not something that happens in upper decks. <laughs> no, no, it just looks like a diamond king. It's just not one. No. Can you see his syrups though? Nope they oh, they don't have the stirrups. He does have a mustache. All right. Well, noted game hater John Smoltz in 1990. Let's see. 14 and 11 for the Hammers. 3.85 ERA. He had six complete games, two shutouts, 231 in a third inning, 206 hits. Led the league in walks with 90. 
but he did strike out 170, led the league for the first of three years with 14 wild pitches. Wow. Javi Lopez, come on, man. Get your get your shins dirty, man. Get in front of the ball, man. <laughs> that is a 105 ERA plus, and all of that will equal a 3.6 plus. He's a Hall of Famer. That is a 4.6 right off the bat. Anything else on that card going to help me out? No, but uh, you're going to like the next one for sure. All right. Well, hold on a second here. No, no, I'm not going to hold on. It's John Smoltz, Diamond King. Uh, <laughs> collector's choice again <laughs> okay well I, I like this duplicate here uh-huh. that, that should probably give me my first win on a technicality and you uh, got one card left it well, could be a big oh, minus hold on smoltz a 2015 hall of famer uh, i was just interested to know so the tigers you know famously drafted uh drafted smoltz he was traded to the uh, atlanta team for doyle alexander which i guess i knew that once i looked it up but i just wanted to refresh my memory there but uh, those back-to-back 4.6ers take me up to 20 even with one card left yeah well let's see if the next player had the worst year of all time i got a shot oh doesn't look like it it's a very clean shaven oddly enough a clean shaven jack mcdowell black jack from your Chicago White Sox. Yankee fan favorite. Mm-hmm. Gave him a salute at one point. Let's see. Uh, 12 years in the big leagues for the noted ma- magician. Not magician. The noted musician. <laughs> Jack McDowell. 14 and 9 with a 3.82 ERA. I don't think that's going to be a negative for me. That's four no. complete games and uh, a 101 ERA plus. That will get me a 1.9. I'm guessing he's probably got some facial hair as well. He is uh, clean shaven. Oh, yeah, you said clean shaven. All right. He looks very odd. So uh, 21.9 for me. Wow, you guys broke out. I don't remember the last game I won. (laughs) 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 And I got such a high score, I feel like I might have used up some some points that might, you know, know, come back. Hitting is contagious. Well, if I would have pulled a Nolan Ryan on that last card. Oh, yeah. But in 1990, I'm not sure that he would have given me. I mean, you would have been close, but it still yeah. wouldn't have. Done right. Anything. Well, thank you once again to uh, to our listener, uh, at user at udeck1990. You can find that Upper Deck 1990 on Twitter for donating this pack of cards. A lot of cards in there. That was fun, though. That was good. Yeah, we really appreciate it. We've got another user sent in some cards for next week. Uh, a new a new uh, new listener in terms of uh, who had sent them in. So we will do this again. If you want to send us any cards, feel free to. You can curate them or send us unopened packs. Uh, if you're going to curate them, if you could keep them to 10 cards, that would be great, just so we can get through them a little bit quicker. But we really appreciate listeners when they want to send in cards like that. We It's great. I don't even have to buy cards anymore. This is fantastic. But uh, all right. So thank you, everybody, for listening. That's going to wrap up this episode of Two Strike Noise. If you want to find us on the Internet, you can do so. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Twitch, YouTube, uh, all of the socials, as well as an email address Mark's going to give us. Spell it out. TWO Strike Noise at gmail.com. Don't use the number two. Use TWO. 
Strike noise. There Strike you go. noise at gmail.com. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're both a little loopy at this point. I don't think I've eaten in three days, so I am going to go get some food. But uh, thank you, everybody, for listening again. And we will see you next week on another episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.